Welcome back into another edition of the Functional Fanaholics. My main man, Ryan, how you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Especially after this weekend. After that last interviewee that we had on last week, not sure if he's going to be back, but wearing all that green, figured I had to come out and represent him. Because I'll tell you what, big brother taught little brother a lesson on Saturday. That wasn't even a game, and I'm still waiting for MSU to show up. Yeah, Spartan Rage, uh... And our, our good buddy Mike had a uh, rough weekend getting whipped up on by uh, Michigan and then having our broken down dynasty lineup take a zero from Bijan Robinson and a negative score from Deshaun Watson and still beat him by about 1.2 points. So I'm sure he's uh, he's listening to this right now grimacing. That is for sure. Healthy, so, baby. MVP. Zeus. I'm telling you, Zeus. We... Uh, we do this podcast and obviously we appreciate all the support. We got, you know, friends, family, league mates, you know, random people around the world that uh, humbly are listening into this. And it's funny to me because now in my real life of just walking around and grocery shopping and doing stuff, I'm starting to get like people talking to me about this. So somebody that's a, uh, a friend of the podcast, a little husband and wife team, is sitting there, Miss Erin McCaskin and her lovely husband uh, thought it would be a great idea, her husband Nick, to come in and bring me a gift to work after listening to the podcast. And needless to say, there's going to be some late night reading tonight when I have to go through this. Yeah. From small town to football star. I mean, just... Just chapters and chapters and chapters of just a, a story of a, a, a homegrown talent just just blessing us with his abilities out on the field. I mean, I'm sure there's a chapter missing about, you know, 2019 season and, and, and week 16. Uh, that chapter is going to be uh, not, not, not a lot of reading, but oh, sweet Lord. So I, I died laughing when there was a gift bag brought in. And then I'm like, oh my God, like, I know this is going to be bad. They know I hate mayonnaise with a passion. So I thought it was going to be a jar of mayonnaise and it was even worse. It was Adam Thielen's story. Oh Lord. So for those, those people that are just listening and are not watching our, our video on uh, YouTube, on our YouTube channel, like, and subscribe. Um, and if you haven't listened to last week, Mike put out a little bit of a rant about Mr. Adam Thielen and about how much he despised this guy and he's still bitter about him costing him some championships somewhere along the lines. But Mike has a – would you hold up the book one more time, Mike? It is a – what looks like a pretty thick book, so probably several hundred pages on Adam Thielen – oh, it's thin, I lied. But Adam Thielen from small town to football star. Um, so I'm not sure if this is going to end up as late night reading material or it's going to turn into toilet paper. But either way, what an amazing gift. And uh, it's something else. I'll have to remember them around Christmas. Will, will you be sure to highlight some of your favorite excerpts and then we can kind of read them back on the show? Maybe we'll revisit this like every once in a while. Absolutely. No doubt about it. That's too great. That's too great. So actually, speaking of real world scenarios, um, real world stuff that's going on in our lives. I stumbled across something that I found very interesting related to our podcast as well. Um, so doing a little deep dive into our um, very low numbers around our, our advanced analytics around our YouTube channel, which again, like, subscribe. Come on, we need more of you guys. 
Um, but I did find a little error message um, on our videos that I, when I went and dove into it, I found out that we're in violation of copyright infringement, but not for the United States. Get this. We are broadcasting globally everywhere around the world. But because of my little mob deep shook ones, which I love and love vibing to, we violated some communist copyright law and we are banned in the country of Russia. So I'm taking that as like a feather in my cap type win. Like, I think that's a pretty impressive feat that only four episodes in, barely have 30 followers. We're already banned in a country. How amazing is that? One of the, uh, one of the proudest moments of uh, my life. There's uh, somebody that probably had a proud moment like this over my shoulder, Ale Bundy. One scored four touchdowns in one high school game. It's a living legend. You know, you're not going to catch a lot of podcasts out there, by the way, with an Ale Bundy jersey in there. But Pol yeah. Polkai, Polkai, man. Four touchdowns, one game. But yeah, the uh, when you when you mentioned that to me today, I was just like, when we started doing this, I guess if we would have been told, hey, weeks into this, this is our uh, biggest uh, infraction as a podcast. I think we both would have taken it. We were we were both worried about uh, far far larger uh, issues than Russia not beating in, into fantasy football. So, Putin, yeah, Putin, much like Steve Smith. I mean, we'd love to have you as a fan of the show. We'd love to we'd love to have you on and maybe win you over and and, and get these these lovely folks in Russia listening to the podcast. So I'm going to take it a step further and I'm going to go on the other side of that fence, Mr. Zelensky, because we now have a common enemy that is Vladimir Putin and the entire country of Russia. Mr. Zelensky, consider this your official invite to come on the podcast and we can all bash Putin together. We'd love to have you on. You can be our next interviewee. We'll make space for you next week. Reach out. Let me know. We'd love to have you. We uh we might start actually trending during uh, political season. I mean, look, look at our platform we can run on. This is America. We are all about the United States. We are both BS going on over here. USA, America. <laughs> Love it. So to lean into another uh, you know layer of the onion of this uh, this podcast implications. Uh, you know, the Lions, we're, we're over here last week. We're sitting here giving them their flowers. We're just patting them on the back. We're over here feeling invincible. We're, we're just, just giving in 100% to the, to the Lion vibe that's going out. And then we got reminded that these are the Detroit Lions. Just when you're up at that mountaintop and you're, you're looking, you're looking in the distance and you're taking in the sights and the scenes the SOL uh, boulder avalanche comes down and knocks you right off that cliff and uh, takes you back down to size. So that was an ugly game against uh, Baltimore. I will tell you that. Ugly is an understatement. Uh, I felt like I was watching a Saturday game. I did not feel like I was watching a Sunday football NFL game. Like it felt like a college matchup. Like the, 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 dude, the play, Baltimore just looked light years ahead of us. They were better at us at every step of the way. Our defense, we could not even get after Lamar. Every time we came close, he would just like weasel out of that pocket and just make some miraculous play. It was like 15 yards a clip, 20 yards a clip. Just it, it 
it was painful. And again, this kind of goes back to, I tried to be cautious drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, I didn't want to do heaven's gate and all that, like at the beginning of the season, but like, I mean, I bought in, I dove head first into the deep end of that, that, you know, that lion's pool and just like rooting and cheering. And this was a awakening call. And I hope, I hope it was just a bad day, not a bad sign. I hope that this was just a, maybe the wake up call the lions needed, like the, the parody in the NFL is real. Any given Sunday, that phrase exists for a reason. Um, and hopefully that was just like the, the kick in the ass that we needed to kind of, Hey, we got to tighten some things up. And also too, that secondary our defensive line hides a lot of inefficiencies that that secondary has. Yeah, the secondary being injured definitely didn't do them any favor. But I will say one thing. The coaches, we're all sitting here on our couches watching games on Sunday. Those coaches, most of them besides Arthur Smith, know a lot more than we do. And there's a reason why David Montgomery was getting 24.7 touches when it was the Rams or the Lions, if anybody's a real fan, you realize that Jared Goff lives off of play action. And when you don't have that second and six or second and five and you're threatening the defense, it doesn't have to be actually a nine-yard run with them. It just has to stay ahead of the chains and have the other team believe somebody's going to grind some yards. And he lives off of that. And when you take that play action away because Gibbs is 200 pounds and he can't wear you down with 30 carries you you just all the people complaining about Gibbs just saw what the coaches are actually seeing they need Montgomery to grind 25 carries for 93 yards because you on the other end of it you're going to get an efficient 300 yard game out of golf because of it so come on yeah, back no you're 100% yeah you're 100% accurate we need Demont back I mean the play action thing was real um I mean I think it's true it's just it, it like I said it 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 they called us out on a lot of this, a lot of our gaps and a lot of the holes that we have to fill. So, uh, but speaking of, of one disaster to another disaster, I'd like to kind of pivot here and talk about Marcus's urinary track. Um, I know we kind of touched on it last week. He's going through some serious kidney stone issues in and out of doctors. They're talking now about taking sharks with lasers and swimming them up his urethra to like blast these kidney stones out of his like, bladder so they can pat i don't know he started sending diagrams and like i it was too much for me I, I almost lost my stomach earlier but what i think we do need just because he is you know our you know fellow brother in arms and whatnot um what i would like to do is i just want to have you know a moment just to acknowledge what he's going through and i'd like to light a little candle vigil this is a warm tobacco pipe. Usually it's to hide the smell of my poop in the bathroom. But for this case, I'd like to like this. And um, I would just like to have a little, little moment of silence for Marcus's penis. Pull through this big guy. All right, guys, welcome back. We are going to have a uh, uh, something interesting and something fun coming up for you here. We're going to kind of veer a little bit from what we've been doing. But before we get to that, we're going to do what you know we specialize in, and that's featuring uh, something that we're drinking here on the Functional Fanaholics. This is a Old Nation Oktoberfest, and you're going to see me drink a lot of Oktoberfest. I love this stuff. So what do you got in your hand, Ryan? So... 
cleaned out my fridge um, and left me nothing but um, watermelon White Claws. So I am drinking one of the <laughs> finest seltzers that is on the market today, the White Claw watermelon flavor. Um, yeah, it tastes very artificially. It's impossible to get natural tasting watermelon that's not watermelon. So hey, it feels like I'm drinking a mouthful of preservatives and artificial flavoring. Cheers. Bad life choices. Yeah, seriously. All right, so it is halfway until the fantasy playoffs. This is kind of like a mid-season review, almost like a, a end-of-season re-ranking. We've all made some draft mistakes. We've all had some guys that have really overperformed their draft capital. Right now, we're just putting it in order of 1 to 24, and we have a consensus between the two of us. Um, these are players that, if they're on your team, value them. If they're if they're not on your team, especially some of these guys that don't have the name recognition, we're really strongly suggest suggesting that you go out and you try to acquire these players because you can probably get them on the cheap. People might not realize exactly uh, how how you know hellacious of a season they're having. So we're gonna have Ryan start us off with number one here. What you got, bud? Yeah. How exciting is it that we're doing a special episode? Five weeks in and we're already doing a special. Guys, like how excited are you to be a fan and subscriber of us? Look at just fun things that are coming your way and we're gonna keep throwing new new stuff at you. So uh, first and foremost, gonna start off with number one. Not a lot of argument here, it's Reek. The guy's on pace for 2,200 yards and 17 touchdowns. Lock him in at number one. Not mine, Mike's, ours, he's number one. Who you got it to, Mike? Number two is uh, CMC. I mean, I had him at one. I don't think it matters if it's Reek or CMC. It's just your your flavor. The running back position is such a disaster, and to have CMC on your team in that offensive environment with that play caller, he's just an absolute monster. So, you know, we're we're, we're stating water's wet, obvious players here. Who you got at three? Number three is Kelsey, uh, averaging twenty point six points per game. If I was redrafting today, I would take him number one overall. The difference that he brings to you at the tight end position is astronomical. His 20.6 points is more like 35 points if he was playing at wide receiver or tight end or wide receiver running back. And that le that leg up that you have over your opponent every week is very tough to overcome. Let's run down the next eight quick, Mike. We got a four. We got uh, Stefan Diggs, the modern day Antonio Brown, just a savant route runner just a unstoppable force but he's a little bit crazy you know hopefully he finishes the season on your team <laughs> yeah, yeah kid can score um digs i got chase at five um slow start of the season burrow is healthy we've seen what chase can do we've seen it once this year we saw it a ton in years prior probably should even be a little bit higher than five i'd almost argue to put him above digs but lock chase in let's let's get him going Absolutely. At number six, we have uh, Cooper Cup. Not a lot needs to be said. The mind meld, uh, Stafford and him going to get breakfast in the morning, uh, you know, that two for 29 or whatever he just had. Watch that come back for 11 for 186 and three touchdowns this week. He's a monster. If he stays healthy, he's going to be great. Who you got at seven? This guy I've always loved. Always been a fan of him, even when he's playing in Tennessee. But, man, is he a monster, Mr. A.J. Brown. Um, gotta love the usage he's getting. You know, new OC in, in Philly. The kind of slim 
Devontae Slim Smith is a little bit of an afterthought. AJ's getting a ton of love, and he's getting a lot of those big plays. So, um, honestly, you can make an argument for even being higher than number six. Or seven, sorry. And uh, number eight, we got the Sun God. I think everybody can get behind this guy. I mean, to be drafted where he was drafted and have his work ethic and be like a, you know, like a modern day uh, PPR slot machine in the in the breath of, uh, you know, like a Keenan Allen or something like that. I mean, this guy is diminutive, but man, does he put up some stats? He's he's a monster. I love him in PPR. He's got such a high floor. Who you got at nine? Nine at ETN. Um, love the way they're using him. I had some doubts at the beginning of the season. He thought Tank was going to eat into his playing time, but man, are they working that kid? And um, that offense seems to be running through ETN. So really, really like him going forward. Yeah, number uh, ten. I have Kamara. I'm a little bit shocked. Uh, I didn't think when I first started ranking this that we would have him consensus ranked so high, but the guy is averaging, I think, nine point five or. 9.7 targets a game. It's not another running back uh, above 5.5. It's ugly to watch, but it counts in fantasy. So he's he's returned back to elite status. What do we got at 11? Kidona Kamara, he has more receptions than any other running back in the league, and he missed three weeks. Go get him if you can. People are sleeping on him. Okay, grab that dude. Um, number 11, I have Eckler. Um, I was on the fence about this guy. I almost had him outside my top 12. Um, starting to see signs of wear and tear, see signs of age, but that offense still moves. He can still score. Um, a healthy Eckler, you know, tough to get better. And that 12 to round out what would be uh, the first round of a typical 12-team league, uh, Keenan Allen, fine wine. I mean, with Mike Williams being gone, uh, obviously this, this guy's the focus of the offense. Uh, they got a lot of nice pieces there, and, and he's one of those guys that you just feel safe with him on your roster. I don't know if he has a ceiling of the guys before, but he's going to continue to uh, put up some monster uh, PPR numbers for you. All right, so um, you know we're through that first round, that top 12 players. You know, the, as Mike, you said, the water or wet kind of guys. Um, these are those foundational pieces, those roster locks. There's no question, not a lot of question marks around these. So, you know, we're now, we're, we're hitting the turn of that draft, right? We're going into picks 13 through 24. This is where it kind of gets a little interesting. And, and I thought this would be easy, Mike. You know, I thought I could just spin these up and whip these out in like a couple minutes. But after kind of digging into it, like I, I realized that, you know, maybe there are a lot more questions in, the, in this range of, of players. So um, the first and foremost, the one I want to talk about, um, which I know we had a very pretty, pretty drastic variance in between the two, between our, our positions is, is Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, the guy coming off a pretty significant hamstring injury, concerns were, I, my thought was that oh, we're not going to see this guy back on the field until, I don't know, maybe week 14, like after their bye. Um, I had him ranked pretty low. Our consensus came in putting him at 13. If it wasn't for the injury, this guy would be at like two or three. Uh, but why don't you tell us about a little bit of news that you heard today? Uh, I mean, anybody that watched the Monday Night Football feed as the pregame warm-up saw him dancing around and doing cartwheels. And if you looked at him through the eyeball test, you would have never thought anything was wrong. Also, the coach went and spoke up. And anybody that wants to dig through it and can find it, uh, he was given uh, a talk. I think people were seeing Justin Jefferson up and down the sideline and saw how spry he looked. And they had made the, the statement something to the fact that 
if they had known he was going to recover this fast, they may have never put him on IR. And he specifically said, expect him to, we're expecting him to be a full 100% go when he comes off of IR. So, you know, the conspiracy theory really long, uh, you know, is this guy going to be set down for the year? You know, week 10, 12, 14, any of that stuff. I, I At this point, the news I'm hearing is uh, everybody that's got him should be excited. So, so you're telling me that I'm hearing correctly. The window to go get this player on for pennies on the dollar, like I did by trading Miko and Taijay for him, is that window's closing? That window is about to close on Brendan's head for trading him to you. So yeah, that window's closing abruptly, abruptly here. Oh, Brendan. So yeah, Justin Jefferson at 13. I mean, he was the consensus number one overall pick. I I don't think a lot needs to be said other than the fact of the news that he looks like he's coming back healthy. Uh, one guy that we were separated by a mile on was uh, Brees Hall, um, who's in at number 14. Uh, you know, obviously the environmental concerns, uh, Zach Wilson, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers, is he coming back? Offensive line issues. This this is frankly a guy that we both love on this podcast and will always be advocates of his. This is this is one of those <laughs> excuse me, rare uh fantasy assets that can I can count on him overcoming any situation. He's looking like he's marching closer and closer to a hundred percent. I think if you have Brees Hall on your roster, you should be really excited. The best is uh in front of him so what do you got going on you know how much i love breeze i actually had breeze ranked at number six overall like i would i'm super super high on him i know the concerns right the offensive line i know the concerns with with zach wilson under center um you know i feel like you know offensive line looks a little bit better of late zach wilson looks like he's kind of settled in you know maybe some of that the nervousness is kind of shaken off and he understands the assignment right he gets what they need him to do in order to win games and a lot of that is just hand the ball off to Brees. one of the other reasons i'm really really high on him and i do want to just kind of talk real quick like if you look at his schedule down the stretch giants chargers raiders buffalo miami all teams you can run on easily Atlanta is one of the first challenges, but then you get Houston, Miami, Washington, and then you round it out with Cleveland in the finals, which sucks. But still, that is one of the easiest, best cakewalk schedules for a running back I have seen in a long time. Super, super high on this guy. Again, I had him at six overall. Um, moving on, getting off the breaster, um, Tony Pollard. Um, you know, I had a hard time ranking this guy, not because of him, uh, more or less the coach. And I don't know how much I trust McCarthy and those Dallas skill players. We didn't even have Lamb in our top 24, if that tells you something. And Lamb was going on the on the fringe of the first, second round in most drafts. Pollard, you know, undersized back, has kind of history of maybe questions around if he can carry the full workload. The talent is there. He's explosive. You see it. I mean, the fantasy production's there, too. I just don't know how much I can trust him and how much I can get behind him for the second half of the season. You know, Mike, where are you at on this guy? He's definitely a smaller back, and I think you're seeing the uh, heavy workload that he's taken without having the buffer of Ezekiel Elliott there. Uh, he was always a metric superstar. Everybody always wondered and dreamed what would happen if he took a full workload. It always goes two ways in a situation like that when you have a smaller back. 
Sometimes it becomes Austin Eckler and you're the darling of metrics and then you can handle the workload and you're back-to-back number one overall running backs. And sometimes I think it's sapping the uh, juice out of Pollard. And I think he's having a tough time from week to week, just staying spry and healthy and handling the workload. So I, uh, I definitely, he's one of the guys that I'm, uh, I'm a little, he's a great player, but I'm a little bit sketchy on him. Uh, speaking of uh, another running back that's following right behind him with Jonathan Taylor at 16, now you're talking about a 230-pound, you know, monster. Um, you know, obviously the Zach Moss thing is an ideal. You have, uh, you know, an increasing snap share and you have uh, increasing touches every week and he's starting to look more like Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the thing I would say in this situation is Indianapolis is running right up there at the top three or four teams in uh, overall offensive plays. So that increased volume just gives the whole offense more touches to Pittman, more targets, downs, more people can be involved. And like you saw last week, I know it's not ideal being almost 50-50 with Zach Moss, but you had 40 touches to the running backs, usually the average NFL teams, like 22-23 to maybe getting into the high 20s. It's never 40. So even if Taylor can get to a 70-30, now you're talking about 28 carries or 28 touches for Taylor, and you're talking about 12 touches for Moss, plus you have the built-in security of knowing that if Taylor went down or if Moss went down, if you if you have both those guys on your team, you know you're going to have an elite asset, and there's not a lot of guys that you can count on the handcuff to carry the load if the other person's out. I can't believe I'm saying that about Zach Moss, but here we are in 2023. What did you think? Yeah, and let's be honest, though. If Zach Moss was there, Taylor would be number five, number four. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, if it wasn't for, I mean, the guy's a track star. He's just an absolute athletic freak of nature. Good news, though, for Taylor owners, Zach Moss missed practice today, popped up on the injury report, little elbow, elbow and heel injury. Maybe signs are breaking down. Maybe we're going to get a full, full dose of JT in the near future. Looking forward to that one. Um, next up is a guy that, you know, I somehow just, I don't know if I wasn't high on him in the preseason, uh, you know, before the season, if I thought Charbonnet was going to cut more into his work than, than it has already. But like Kenneth Walker, I didn't end up with any shares of him. I was low on him, sadly, and I'll, I'll say this because I want to kick myself in the nuts over it. Like I took Damian Pierce over him in the league, and I am regretting that to this day. Uh, but Kenneth Walker's schedule down the stretch, it is a pretty tough run defense. Run, he faces a lot of tough run defenses, not one of the most friendliest schedules. Um, you know, I talked about him a couple episodes ago, but hey, maybe time to maybe it's time to look at selling Walker. But you know, you know, in the, with the running back landscape as thin as it is, the guy's producing. He's getting all the goal line work and he's getting the touchdowns. One word of caution is Zach Charbonnet is now getting healthy again. He was a little bit nicked. Um, we saw him kind of start to eat into that workload at the beginning of the season. He took a step back. Curious if down the stretch, if if that's going to become a thing again, or if we're going to see more Charbonnet. I doubt it's ever going to get to like a 60-40, but he may become annoying enough if you're a Walker owner. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I think uh, I think Walker definitely uh, is paying dividends on anybody that took him in that kind of almost like beginning of the the dead zone for running backs. He, uh, he he's outkicked the coverage for what I expected. I'm I'm a lot like you. When he was up on the board and I had a chance to draft him, I definitely did not. And and there's not. 
oh my God, the mistake I just made, you know, this is, this cost me the season, but I'm still regretting that I didn't take them. Uh, it's always a crazy situation, but it's 2023 as far as a timeshare. You're going to inevitably in every backfield, you know, this is, this isn't, you know, the eighties or something like that. You're going to get a little bit of a, a mix of the backup. And so as long as he doesn't get nicked and Charbonnet comes in there and balls out and proves to the coaching staff that he needs more touches. I think you're going to be all right with Walker. Uh, a guy that I am concerned about at 18 is uh, Saquon. <clears throat> Love the guy. You're talking about a body type like we just talked with uh, Jonathan Taylor. You're talking 230. You're talking about like a underwear combine superstar. I mean, the guy is like built in a lab to be an NFL running back. He may be the perfect example of the scales tipping of being like just an absolute godly player and just the scales being tipped into a terrible environment. Uh, the offensive line is obviously a joke. I mean, Daniel Jones is playing like a joke. Um, there's just something weird going on with that team. It's ugly. Nobody wants to watch it. You don't want to tune into a game. If you got you know, the ability to, to sit there and have, uh, you know, YouTube and be able to access all the games. Nobody's clicking on the Giants game. You just look at that box score at the end of it and pray, pray that volume got him there and, and just his God-given ability. So what's your uh, thoughts on Saquon? Any Giants football all the season. And actually, the most enjoyable fun of that is Maybe been the last couple of weeks with Tyrod Taylor under center, where it actually looks like that offense can move a little bit, giving you a little bit of signs of help, signs of life for Barkley. However, as Shannon Sharp calls him, Danny Crimes is about to be coming back eventually to steal $42 million a year from, from the Giants again. Um, and with him under center, we saw how dismal that offense looked. Um, just disjointed. You have, I mean, you have a weapon like Barkley, you have a weapon like Waller. They just don't seem to know how to use and use in the right way. So I think you hit the nail on the head. You just hope for volume. Don't even watch the game. Check the box score at the end of the day and be happy with what you got. But love the talent, love the dude. Just wish he was on a better team. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That is what it is. So um, next going into tight ends, um, you know, we talked about Kelsey. I love your nickname for him, Zeus, like God of all gods. Just, yes, I mean, but staying on the tight end train, Andrew's coming up at number two, right? We talked about how dismal the the, the tight end landscape is and how the tight end just are. You're, you're lucky if you get six for 40, five for 50 out of your tight end. You're happy with eight or nine points a week. Um, I think that tight end position is pretty much a dead zone. And if you can get one of those big three dudes – the Kelsey's, the Andrews, we'll talk about Hawk in a minute. If you have one of those guys in at tight end, you have a leg up every single week over your opponent. You know, a big draft strategy of mine was to avoid the question marks at tight ends. You know, every year there's always those four or five breakout guys. Like, I think this guy's going to hit. Oh, I think it's going to be Laporta. And you know what? For every time that you got Laporta right, I guarantee you got it wrong probably about 10 other times. So I didn't want to play that game this year. I took Andrews high in my redrafts. I made sure, hey, I just want to leg up at that position, want to leg up at tight end, and I don't want to have to play the rotating tight end game. So I got Andrews sitting there. He is currently ranked tight end number three. He's coming in at 15 and a half points per game. And that's why I have Andrews there at number 19. 
Yeah, uh, to add to that, I've had conversations with you about this before. You have the quarterback position, running back position, and wide receiver position that I could sit here and bloviate for an hour on quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson's breakout year, Patrick Mahomes' breakout year, Richardson would have had a breakout year. I mean, I don't care if you get into just all the running backs and wide receivers that break out. So you can draft a guy in the seventh round that performs like a, you know, discount version of CMC or somebody like that, or like a Justin Jefferson, you can have those breakouts. You don't draft some 10th round tight end and have them perform like Kelsey. There's only, you know, the Darren Wallers and the Jimmy Grahams, like maybe once every 10 years, you kind of get what you get at tight end. And it's ugly. I told you, and you've seen in the main league, he's averaging 15.6 points. Multiply that times two, it's a little over 30. Seven weeks into our main league and our PPR, I have a total of 33 points over seven weeks. So that would be like Mark Andrews playing week one and week two and taking five straight weeks of zero. Do you know what I would do to have Mark Andrews and not be taking, you know, these four or five point games and picking up different tight ends off the waiver wire? If you're a smart fantasy owner, just take the sure tight end position, fill that spot and use your smarts to make it a lot easier to acquire all the ancillary pieces around them in your lineup because you cannot unearth that tight end. It's never going to happen. It's like winning Powerball. Yeah, I agree, Mike. And I think, too, especially, like, as you start to see more and more draft strategies, and this is kind of where it gets even more interesting, as running backs, you know, the workhorse running back is becoming more and more a thing of the past. You're seeing more and more draft strategies go around hero RB or zero RB. When you do that draft strategy, you have to have a stud tight end. It, it is almost impossible if you're chasing running backs but also trying to play that tight end game, like you're bound to miss on some of those. So that was one of my strategies going in, like when in my redraft, when I took Chase, you know, when I took Chase number two overall, I had to get Andrews because I knew if I had Andrews and I had Chase, I can build around that. And I'll fill in those other pieces. I'll find those wide receivers. I'll find those running backs. Hell, I have seen Kelsey take garbage teams to championships hell mike you and i have rode that guy's back to a ship before with the rest of our team being held together with glue and popsicle sticks and with kelsey it is just mvp type years you can ride him because you have that 20 30 point advantage at a tight end dead zone position every week that was one of my things too i knew if I want to keep up with the Kelsey owner, I want to make sure that I have a stud at tight end. That's why I grabbed Andrews in a lot of my leagues. Because, hey, maybe he's not Kelsey-esque, but he's 75, 80 cents on the dollar where all other tight ends, you're, you're, you're looking for change out of your couch. So, Yeah, long before uh, Taylor Swift entered the picture, uh, I know he had a, a lover in the two of us. So uh, speaking from going from one uh, man crush into another, Hasn't exactly worked out in the the Kelsey level, but uh, Bijan Robinson at 20. This has been a bumpy road. This hasn't been ideal. Obviously, last week is fresh on people's minds with the just Arthur Smith games. Um, At the end of the day, this this guy's up there with the Jonathan Taylors, the CMCs, and the Barkleys, and the Brees Halls, and just having an ungodly, God-given ability. he still has a couple outs if you're playing poker. He's unbelievable. He's young. You know, they're obviously still going to run the ball there. Um, 
cross your fingers that Arthur Smith gets fired. I mean, I know I'm 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 saying a prayer for that. Light that light that poop candle for Arthur Smith getting fired. Yeah. Um, but he's just he's just one of those guys that you bet on because as we get deeper into this list, I'm gonna leave it at this. There's only a couple of these guys that situations can happen where these guys crawl all the way up to the best, the third best, or the fourth best overall player in fantasy football. Bijan Robinson's one Arthur Smith firing or Tyler Algiers, uh, you know, injury away from just being completely unleashed because Arthur Smith can't put the shackles on him anymore. So big Bijan fan. What do you think? Yeah, a huge Bijan fan. Hate, love the player, hate the coach, right? Like it's Artie. He's doing Artie things and is just driving fantasy football managers wild. Whatever the hell happened last week, still don't know. Hope, 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 hope that the NFL levies some personal fines, like not against the Falcons. I want them to find Arthur Smith directly. I, I just, I, I, how many times are we going to have the same conversation on this, on this podcast, Mike, about how much we can't stand the dude and how much he's driving us absolutely wild with the underutilization of not only skilled players, we are talking some of the most skillful players at their positions. You have a generational talent in Pitts, one in Robinson. Where are they? I blows my mind, but hey, you know what? We're just lonely podcast hosts and we're not, we should be honored to even be able to say the words Artie Smith out of our mouth, right? Oh, Whatever. Um, so next, uh, next up is a player that I love, fell in love with them before the season, love the player, love the name even more is Puka Nakua, or as you all know, my Pookie. Very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, got this guy. God, I was high on him. Trying to grab him everywhere I could. Overbid the heck out of this dude. Um, I think I set some precedences in a couple of leagues where there, my $50 plus fob bids on this guy kind of trickled in, and we're seeing a lot of overspend elsewhere. But love the player. You know, there was some concern around him. Right, Currently, right now, Pookie, he is 20.8 points per week. Um, and he is at wide receiver number four. Um, and granted, a lot of that happened without Cup on the field, right? So there were concerns if and when Cup came back, how much would that eat into what Puka was doing? You know, was there still enough in that passing game with Stafford only throwing on pace for at that time, 13 touchdowns of the season, which was mind-boggling low? But was there enough in that passing game to support both a Cup and a Puka? And I think we're starting to see it, right? Like, I had those concerns. I voiced them that you're going to start to see a couple weeks. It's a Puka week. You know, you might not be able to tell which week it's going to be and who's going to who's going to go off on, on when. But we just saw last week, Steelers, they took Cup away. They bracketed him. They tried to double, you know, tried to team in on him, tried to double team him, tried to make sure that he didn't go off on him and what happened, Puka did. So I think you're going to have a lot of – a lot more games like that, right? You can't take both of those players away. McVay's too smart. Stafford can put the ball in just about everywhere. Love Puka. Probably got him too low at 21. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to end up being a league winner for sure. He uh, His uh, uh, target percentage since uh, Cups come back has actually crawled up a couple percentage points. So people can put that to bed that he's going to just disappear and, and, and not be startable. So um, at 20, we're kind of riding back into that tight end train. I think both of us value tight ends pretty high. This guy is in an all-world talent in Hawkinson. 
but the environment that he's in in such a ha- a heavy pass scheme with the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins dropping back 40 to 55 times a game and having to throw to win he's such a an easy target for Cousins when you have Addison breaking out and I'm sure scaring defensive coordinators especially when Jefferson comes back you're going to have Hawkinson running loose one on one over the middle of the field I'm sure he's going to continue to you know, not set you back at a position that's very difficult to feel. So I don't love this guy. If if we had the top 24 in this and I'm like, who's the best athlete out of these 24, he'd probably be 24. But uh, because the position is so valuable, you know, Hawkinson, Hawkinson comes in at 20 for us. Yeah, and he's probably a little bit easier to acquire, right? Like if you are desperate for a tight end or maybe you're just sick of playing that rotating carousel game of tight ends, waivers, you know, just week in, week out, like it's Mayor, Kincaid, uh, whoever else you're grabbing, Hawk might be a target that's easier to get than like an Andrews or Kelsey, right? Like you could probably get him a little bit cheaper, um, you know, and he might be somebody that's worth overspending a little bit too to get. Like, again, having that position locked up and having that leg up at the tight end, Granted, he may be only averaging four or five more points a week, but you got to remember that four to five points at a tight end position, that's like 10 to 15 at a wide receiver or running back position. Um, so next up, what we're going to do is the next four players we're going to talk about is Mike and I had some pretty big discrepancies on these, right? Um, and by discrepancies, I mean like they were in my top 24, not in his, and vice versa. First and foremost is Demon, right? Montgomery with the Lions, he's getting that workhorse treatment he's getting the ball 25 30 touches a game they are riding him you know they're setting up like we talked about earlier they're setting up that play action he's a key cog in that offense question marks around him because of the injury granted he's been nicked twice now this is the second game that he missed fell on that ball hard seems like it's just cartilage damage might be a pain tolerance thing hopeful that he comes back soon maybe this week if not next um but i think that leaves the question marks around him the big player that i want to dive into though because I almost didn't have him ranked, and actually, I think my first time I submitted my top 24, I didn't have him on there. You had Adams at 13. I had Adams at like 24, 25. I have my reasoning. I don't trust what's going on in, in, in Las Vegas. The, he's obviously disgruntled. He's not happy. Uh, luckily, they've kind of been sneaking out some wins, but what happens when they lose? You know, what happens when he's not getting the ball and they're losing those games? They just had an embarrassing loss against the against the Bears this weekend against a nobody, a D2 superstar quarterback that came out of nowhere and basically took it to him. I think Adams, you're going to start to see him kind of get that. You hope not to have that like prima donna wide receiver kind of, oh, throw me the ball, I need to be involved more. But, hey, there's, there's question marks around the player. There was considering, there's talks around potentially trading him. And there's even more question marks around the quarterback. We've seen Garoppolo on four or five games. We've had O'Connell in a dismal game. We have Hoyer in another dismal game. And you hope that Garoppolo comes back. If I knew Garoppolo was going to be season long, he's the quarterback there. I'd have Adams a lot higher. That back injury, I think, is a lot more serious than the leading on. The guy can barely walk off the field when he when he tweaked his lower back and he was holding it. Without Garoppolo, I don't have a lot of faith in Adams. Love the talent. Wish it was a better situation, but I mean, I think that's why we we are we're so off. I mean, you had him what all the way at thirteen. Yeah, the I mean, with me, it's a pedigree thing, and you've got to also factor in that he might get traded. This is this is a disaster with the Raiders. He's making a lot of money, 
uh, he might be doing the franchise and himself a favor if he lets them organize a, a trade out of there. Um, but really with me, the ranking was just pedigree. He's still averaging 85% what the top wide receivers are averaging per game. So it's not like he's totally dropped off, but he's, he, he's, he's a pedigree guy. Um, getting into, you know, a couple other players that, you know, we kind of were back and forth on. You always hear the saying, like, you know, you're here for a good time, but you're not here for a long time. That's that's DeAndre Swift. He's like the child of Raheem Mostert. Like, he's like an exciting, explosive back that might not be able to handle, like, a, a big workload. You've seen that through his career. Um, every time he takes a carry, like, I don't have him on any of my teams, which, which is amazing with the amount of leagues I'm in. But he's just one of those guys that terrifies you every game he goes into that you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. He's having a hell of a season. That offensive line and that environment is just out of this world. He's he's showing you why he was drafted in the middle of the second round, which these days is almost like a first round running back. It's just in a great spot, and he's he's somehow magically staying healthy halfway through the season. So you just gotta hope that continues because if it does, he's gonna continue to put up numbers. Uh, and then the yeah. the last guy that we had in there was DJ. DJ Moore was probably the one guy that I honestly would have ranked, even though his points per game and all that are, are, are legit, I would have had him ranked another 10 or 15 spots away from this because I just don't want the roller coaster ride of his uh, statistics. It's 10, it's 13, it's 11, it's 50. Then it's 12 and, and then it's 30. You know, and it's just like you can't see the games come in. He just kills your kills your output on a weekly basis, but he can also win a week for you as well. With uh, Fields being hurt, you know, and Fields not looking like the the best passer, he's just one of those guys I'd rather not necessarily have on my team. But I can understand why somebody'd be into him. Thoughts on Swift and uh, and DJ? Yeah, I mean, we watch Swift get hurt annually, be in alliance for as long as we did, so. Like I said, I don't think it's a matter of if, it's just a matter of when that guy goes down. So that's why I had Swift outside of my top 24. DJ, I could not put him up there. You know, he's currently wide receiver number five. He's averaging 19.1 points per game. That's one point less per game than than Chase. Um, he's right there. He's right scoring on pace with with Cup, with ETN. Um, I mean, he's, he's just right there with all those players. And... Yes, I know he's a roller coaster. We've seen his floor, that 10 to 15 points. And even with, with um, Homie that played on Saturday, you know, they're, they're feeding him the ball. Granted, his average up to target was maybe like three yards, maybe two. But they're still pumping him full of targets. I think that organization knows that they invested a lot into this guy. They're going to make sure that he succeeds or that they at least pump him the ball. And guess what? Fields will be back. He's coming back maybe this week, if not next Fields throws a great deep ball, and that's what Moore excels at. Granted, yes, there's a lot of question marks in that offense. There's a lot of question marks in that organization. However, I will gladly plug and play DJ Moore into my flex and take that 10 to 15 points and be happy with it on a week-in, week week-out basis because I do know that any given week, that guy could win me that matchup, and he could go out and get that 30, 40, or even 50 points like we saw a few weeks ago. Love the guy, and hey, like we know, I also love roller coasters. So 
I'm just along for this ride. All right, it is time for bowlers and fallers. To get right into my bowlers, I'm going to go with A.J. Brown. Couldn't be a more obvious pick, but I don't think uh, the consensus has him ranked high enough. PFF's number one rated wide receiver is going against the 32nd rate uh, pass defense in Washington. This guy's going for six games in a row of 125-plus. The mind meld with Jalen Hurts. This guy's going to ball out for your team. Getting into my fallers. Little guy named Adam Thielen. Uh, Carolina is going through a coordinator change, so you never know how that's going to unfold. They're going against the fourth toughest uh, pass defense, and also number one wide receivers are averaging six catches for 62 yards and no touchdowns. He's been balling out for you. This might be a little bit of a dry week for him. Ryan, what do you got? Changed away. I don't think because that was news to me. I missed that again. Something else that you're just plugged into that the rest of the world might not know. Carolina switched coordinators to get into semantics. It's not necessarily coordinators, they're switching play callers. Makes sense. So, again, little nugget that hey, if you weren't listening to our podcast, you might not have known. But hey, yeah, let's move on to my ballers and followers. I'm gonna start with my follower and work my way up. Um, seems kind of like a layup is an easy call after last week, but I cannot get enough hate talk about Artie Smith on this episode. And my faller is B. John Robinson. One, we don't trust Arthur Smith ever. The guy is obviously not really leaning into using his skill players. And two, B. John Robinson is going up against the number five toughest run defense of the Tennessee Titans. Um, they have their Paul Coffey lookalike on, in, on that defensive line and, and Simmons. I, I just, I think the, there's bad writing on the wall. I'm trying to avoid Bijan. You probably don't have better running back options, but if you do, maybe look elsewhere. Now, as for my fall, as for my ballers, got a dude I really, really like this week. I've been low on him in the past, but man, I think not having this guy in your lineup this week will be reckless. And that is Chris Olave. Olave has probably close to 500 unrecognized air yards more than the next closest wide receiver. I think this week he could get you 35 points. He's going to get maybe 35 extra yards than he normally gets. It's going to be, maybe he's going to get 35 targets. All I know is it's pedal to the metal with this guy. And Mike, did you know he plays for the Saints? And? Folks, thank you so, so, so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We had fun with it. It was something different, something new. We're going to try to keep it fresh. We're going to try to do some new stuff. Um, Hey, you know the deal. Like it. Subscribe it. Mike, send us away. Like and subscribe to my dad and my Uncle Ryan's podcast.